the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you with me. This is the show where we do our very best every single episode to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And boy, is culture changing. seems like every day something new is happening, some new decision that we need to make. And as those who are doing our very best to navigate in a good way, we need good information. And I am so thankful to that end to have an incredible guest on with us today to help us really gain some historical perspective on what has happened in the near past. We're going to talk about Brexit and so many of the things that happened in the United Kingdom. We will then talk about the populist movement here in the United States with Donald Trump and, and trying to understand more of how those two are connected, what it all means, what it looks like. And uh, again, as the world changes, as culture changes, how we can use some of those principles and navigate forward. So grateful for our guest today, who is with us, Raheem Kassam. Raheem, for those of you that are not familiar, is a conservative British political activist, current editor-in-chief at the National Pulse, former editor-in-chief at Breitbart News London, former editor-in-chief of Human Events, and a member of the Brexit Party. That's a lot of stuff. Raheem, um, I, I, I always feel bad giving someone else's bio because what you read online, not a big surprise, is not always accurate. So uh, why don't we start there? Why don't, why don't we start with you telling us uh, where you came from, how you got involved in the stuff that you're involved in, and um, whether or not you are indeed a political activist. I think that's a funny <laughs> phrase. But uh, tell us about yourself a little bit before we jump into this. It is. It is a very loaded phrase. Well, thank you for having me for a start. Um, I of think, course. you know, it's very it's 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 easier to dismiss people's um, policy perspectives, philosophical perspectives, um, mm. uh, you know, prescriptions for for the illnesses we face in society by referring to them as an activist. And I think that's right. why, right. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of what people do in the political world can come under the the broad umbrella of activism. I mean, Joe Biden is a political activist, you know, but yeah. you wouldn't necessarily yeah. describe him as such. Right. In a, sure. in, a, in a bio, it's that phrase is used very kind of weaselly as a way by which by a kind of which to undermine uh, the people that the Wikipedia, you know, editors right. don't want taken seriously right. as 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 proponents of certain ideas, right? And that is what that is what we do. We have a belief system and we uh, report the news uh, around that. I, I wish more news organizations were honest about, you know, what actually is the fundamental principle, what is the driving principle mm. uh, behind what they do. And I think we would have a much healthier media if people were willing to hand, put their hands up and say, you know, this is why we're telling you this. This is why we believe these certain things. Um, and we do that over at the National Pulse. And as, as you see, right. there's a lot of there's a lot of formers in in my bio. I hop around a lot. I hop around uh, the planet a lot. 
um, you know, really trying to find where uh, civilization, especially Western civilization, can can reroute itself in 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 its best of its past. I'm not a, a, an anti progress person. I understand that the word progress has been kind of subsumed by the left, um, mm. but I also believe that. You know, our our role as good stewards of planet Earth is actually and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, especially in the, uh, in, you know, with the auspices of, of, of the progressive uh, left looming over us in this in these upcoming midterms, thinking about what are the arguments, what are the what are what are the things that ordinary people need to hear? And actually, ordinary people do sometimes need to hear, especially the ones that are perennially pissed off with the left. Such as basically everyone right now. Right. They do need to hear ideas uh, and principles and 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 philosophies coming from uh, the political right as much as they need to hear. Um, you know, we're going to persecute the Democrats on day one. We're going to go through yeah, their bank right, accounts. Right. We're going to subpoena them. All of that kind right. of stuff that the that the Kevin McCarthy GOP is peddling right now are not the primary concerns of the the voting public. The primary concerns are obviously, hey, what's the best thing? Um, you know, what, the, what are the best things for us in life? Fine, those are those are certain things as well. But also, do I feel comfortable voting for this candidate or this party? Yep. And so, um, you know, what I do and, and and the work that we do at the National Pulse and the work that I do separately to that kind of encompasses all of those things. It's not just the news, but it's 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 why it's the news as well, and it's why that news is important and what knock on effect does it have uh, in your day to day life? I I have been passionate about that for over a decade. I cut my teeth in the United Kingdom uh, in that realm. I, I had been a political activist as, as in my late teens, um, joining the David Cameron's Conservative Party. That was mm. a mess. Um, then joining the UK <laughs> Independence Party, right. uh, working in uh, that party, delivering the Brexit referendum, then going on to run Breitbart's London Bureau, helping to deliver uh, the Brexit vote as we believed it should go. Uh, and somehow I found myself, you know, on on the yeah, in the sunny sunny shores of Washington D.C. Um, possibly <laughs> nice the and worst warm place. there, I'd imagine. Yeah, yes. possibly the worst place I've ever lived. Um, but there is there is much work here. There is much work to do yeah. here. Uh, it is a it is a day to day sacrifice to to maintain a residence and and and, and presence here. Um, but you know, somebody's got to do it, and yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind, you know, while I'm while I'm somewhat young and have the energy and the tolerance for this stuff to to do battle with these people on a daily basis, and and I like to think that, again, that's another that's another um, it's another mantra of ours. You know, we don't yeah. we don't sleep on the battles that face us. Mm. That's good. What in your your history, whether it's growing up, maybe your family, you know, situation or uh, where you came from, what informed what you're doing now? How did you how did you grow up and become an activist in your teenager teenage years and then, you know, leverage that into what you're doing now? Yeah, there's so many answers to that question. I mean, I grew up watching the uh, Gulf War on television in the early mm. 90s and and you know, was was stunned by by the images I saw, obviously we we watched with horror uh, on 9/11 and and yep. saw what you know was happening uh, on the shores of our greatest ally. You know, Britain had always considered itself um, in my in my lifetime a, an important ally of the United States, right. uh, despite despite you know some tensions in our past. Sure, um, yeah. and <laughs> tensions, um, yes. 
Yeah, I so for a lot of it, it was that it was the it was the media perspective on the media almost, and the media perspective on on geopolitics that got me uh, interested in the wider scene. But then also, you know, culturally growing up, my parents were um, Indian immigrants. Uh, uh, Shia Muslims from, who had lived in East Africa, who had wow. settled in London, and wow. just being of that kind of, you know, al- almost weird, <laughs> you know, background. Mm. I was the weird kid at school. It was just, it was <laughs> like a, kind of a, like a mishmash. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because we hear so much about, you know, racism and intolerance and all of this stuff now. Yeah, have I experienced that in my life? Sure. But it, it was not a thing that, you know, I didn't grow up feeling like the brown kid, you know, mm. I didn't grow up, people didn't make me feel that way. And yep. uh, it's interesting, the political right has never made me feel that way either. It's always kind of been the lefties who are mm. like, yeah, you're brown, so you have to vote yeah. for us. Um, and, and those are the moments where I I think, oh, yeah, I guess I am brown. But it doesn't, you know, it hadn't really occurred right. to me, you know, it doesn't, right. it's not the thing you wake up in the morning um, and think about <laughs> immediately, right. you know, much to uh, Ibram Kendi's chagrin. But I... Um, you know, I, I I I was aware that that you know there was there we were different, right? We 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 weren't there were no long generations of Kassams in England. We and I I honestly I saw that as a duty to to integrate and a duty to mm. assimilate. It fell to me as the first generation to be yeah. born there uh, to to embrace it and and honestly more than embrace it to defend it um, because if I may speak so frankly, um, many of my own countrymen can't be bothered to do that. Um, sure. People who have been there for generations and generations can't be bothered to do that. And if I may speak even more boldly, you see the same thing in the United States too. Right. You know, with people right. who have had generations here, growing up here, having all the trappings of the benefits of being Americans for generations, who just can't be bothered to defend that way of life anymore. And I think it is incumbent, especially on the people who come from foreign places, uh, because the because society and the setup and the institutions of the West have, at least until this generation, defended the idea of freedom, defended the idea uh, of, of, of making it. You know, you, you are able to, you call it the American dream. Um, we call it, you know, plodding along. And, yeah. um, you know, it makes me sad that, that so many people who have that history in these countries don't see what they're losing and they're losing it so much quicker than they think they even are it just it's 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 mind-boggling decline people have to understand this decline only speeds up unless it is totally arrested there's no you can't slow the decline uh it is it is it is a um you know it is an exponential Mm, force right so that's those are the things that go through my mind Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you and me. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time, with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. 
Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com and use the promo code SITREP. What was your interaction with your parents like when you, um, you, you immigrated, you know, you were different, um, you looked around, things are not the same, but you didn't feel that pressure. So clearly someone was communicating that to you. Did your parents talk about this? Was this something you, you dealt with at home, something that was formed at home and you took out into the world? Or was it just something you formed on your own? I, I'll tell you why I ask this. I think about this all the time because I have kids and more and more, particularly as I get older, I look down the road and I go, you know what, I'm not going to be here forever. And they're going to have to deal with stuff like I'm dealing with now, probably things I can't even imagine. So I need to help them formulate the process by which they're making the right decisions. And as a parent, that's very important to me. Was that something that you experienced growing up or, or did you find those influences somewhere else? So it's interesting. I mean, I I remember being very young and sitting at the kitchen table in my in the first house we lived in growing up, or maybe it was the second house, but I don't have a memory of the first. Sure. Um, I think we moved when I was one years old, and then we were in this other house in West London. And I remember sitting at the kitchen table, and my mother was telling me, you know, one day your father and I are going to die, and you hmm. have to be able to. Die. And I might have been five years old. Right? Yeah, and right, right. <laughs> I remember actively thinking, why is she telling me this? Because like, <laughs> she's a good know, parent, I, I, that's why. Well, I burst out into tears, and I, you yeah, know, I sure. was. I was I was upset. I didn't understand what I of thought. Course. Yeah, they're going to die now. Am I on my own from here? Um, <laughs> and 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 so that really st- struck me. Stayed with me. Um, I can't claim to have matured all that much more since then. But I, mm. but I did. I did. You know, it did. It does kind of occur to me in the moments where I'm feeling immature or lazy or unable to kind of do things that 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 actually it is incumbent. My parents made sure that I knew it was incumbent upon me to do something yeah. with these opportunities that they had made sacrifices in their lives to provide me with. And um, and the rest of it, honestly, just came from from the society around me. You know, I saw I grew up in a place called Uxbridge in West London, and I saw um, you know degradation amongst uh, uh, the, the 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 culture around us, the graffiti and the underpasses, the uh, you know the, the bus services being terrible. Mm. Like well, I just saw this whole town, which had is such a great history, by the way. Um, beautiful churches, beautiful yep. greens. Um, not so beautiful weather, but you know, you take what you can get. And um, I just saw it going downhill from from being a child to growing up. And I was like, what is going on? And why are these people who are tasked with, with yeah. conserving, right? Because Uxbridge is a conservative area. Boris Johnson is actually the member of parliament for Uxbridge. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And I saw it all changing. And I thought to myself, I, I must do something about this. And I've always yeah. had I've always had delusions of grandeur. And so the thing I wanted to do about it wasn't <laughs> at a local level. It was at a national level. And now right. I guess you could say it's at an international level. Yeah. So next step is... Is running Mars, um, and, you know, getting into the universal level. And well, you stick that, it out we'll long enough, the maybe you'll get there. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd like to talk about um, your involvement with the UKIP and 
Brexit and those things. Uh, my my only connection to this, other than just watching what's happened on TV and, and hearing some you know speeches and other things, uh, when the Brexit vote actually went down. I was with my family in Germany. My wife is a German immigrant. She moved to the United States with her family when she was eight. Um, it's funny because when I visit Germany with her, uh, to her family with her, I always take some Trump paraphernalia because they cannot stand Trump. So I always give them a T-shirt or a hat or something, and, and uh, I think it's funny. They don't think it's so funny, but I think it's funny. Um, <clears throat> but I was sitting there with them at dinner when that happened, and. Uh, you know, from my perspective, this is a wonderful thing that's happened. From their perspective, this was foolish. It was nonsense. It's uh, an attempt to destroy the EU and all of these things that, that, you know, I'm sure you've heard many, many times. Can you talk about um, your involvement with the party and then, you know, kind of what transpired to bring Brexit to, to pass? Well, let me be very honest about it. It is Please. totally an attempt to destroy the EU. I mean, yeah. I think you know, this. <laughs> yeah. So I say this, that is funny because when they said that, I was like, "Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the goal. That's what we're going after." Yeah, right? I mean, like, it seems like the right I'm, thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty cool with that actually as a right. concept. I mean, the people have to understand the EU is a, a you know to, to 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 the British is a foreign centralized socialist empire mm. uh, that is it is you know building its own military, uh, developing right. its own constitution imposing its laws on its member states i mean it is effectively like america having its capital in mexico city uh, right. and its legislature in um ottawa right and you know because we have brussels and strasbourg that make the rules or had until brexit that made the rules 80 percent, i think of legislation of some kind regulate regulatory uh, environment, all of that, uh, the primary legislation that came in that was redrafted from EU ideas that were founded in Brussels, that all came from a foreign country and a foreign set of right. unelected bureaucrats. Yeah. And I know it's kind of a cliche to talk about unelected bureaucrats, but when your only mechanism for government is those unelected bureaucrats, right. you really have to hone in on that. And the EU can pretend right. that it has a legislative body, the European Parliament, but the Parliament is basically just a, uh, a body that is able to revise legislation, send it back to the bureaucrats, and the bureaucrats can overrule them at the end of the day. So people need to understand that not only is this a foreign body telling us what we can and cannot do, uh, but also there wasn't a referendum taking us into the EU as a political body. There was a referendum mm. taking us into the European trading bloc um, that, that passed, but there was never an opt-in to the political body. That just happened with the trade stuff. That's why we were warning you guys about TPP and not getting sure. involved in all of that because it necessarily becomes political. Trade can never stay trade alone with these guys, with right. the globalists. Right. And, um, you know, so for me, I looked at the, 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 the raw deal that, you know, ordinary people were getting as a result of European uh, regulations, um, you know, onerous business uh, practices that would put, they would put on uh, ordinary British people, silly rules that they would impose on everyone from the big corporates right down to the smaller, uh, you know, greengrocers and, and mom and pop stores, as you call them. Um, and it just seemed to me that while trade with Europe had been such a great idea, like a more open trade with Europe had been such a great idea, that on balance it wasn't worth having the political, uh, you know, honestly, the democratic power taken away from the ordinary Brit and housed in a foreign capital for that little right. bit on, you know, of, of extra trade on the balance of payment sheet. Yep. My attitude changed growing up from being a kind of capitalist libertarian to, to being like, hey, you know, I was that, we tried that, it didn't really work, and we we have to like draw things back in a little bit. I think, by the way, 
that's the true progressive, is the person who is able to look at the failed attempts and say, didn't work, we've got to go back unless you've got any better ideas. And oh, usually they yeah. don't have any for forward better ideas. Usually right. the best thing is the reset. So Brexit sure. was really a reset, <laughs> right. right? It wasn't right. a, it wasn't a, you know, let's not do business with our European neighbors. It wasn't a, you know, F you, we hate all of you people. That's not the case at all. You know, British people love going to Europe. We love European food. We, we certainly love European wine. We love them, you know, coming over to Britain and, and as tourists. And, you know, if they want to live and work and be legal yep. migrants and all of that, people are genuinely uh, open to that stuff, as long as it's limited and managed and safe and secure and all of the things that we've been used to in the past. But it right. got too much. And that right. combined with the immigration argument, I mean, the EU, when it opened its borders in 2015 and said, come one, come all, Afghanistan, Libya, Tunisia, Iraq, all of it. And we watched, we watched with our heads in our hands as towns and cities were ravaged by uh, illegal migrants committing some of the most heinous crimes in such a short period of time, that that's when it, public opinion really started to sway in Brexit's favour and say, we don't want that on our shores. Yeah. And if it does try and get to our shores, we need our own government that is accountable to us to be able to make moves without having to go to a foreign legislative body or a foreign commission in Brussels to beg for those powers to police our own people. Yeah. So, you know, our own borders. So that was, for me, how we got to that, you know, that inflection point in, in 2016. But as, as you note, it's not really over yet. But, you know, right. the, I always like right. to remind Americans, you declared independence in 1776. You didn't actually get functioning independence mm. until about 1815. You know, right. you have to have your own tr uh, uh, trade deals. You have to have your own uh, manufacturing base at home for national security purposes. You have to rewrite a lot of the laws. We're currently, as a nation, the UK is writing a lot of EU law out and reinterpreting it into, you know, plainer English or more palatable, uh, uh, you know, legal stuff. And it takes a long time. So, yes, you obviously have what's going on uh, in Ireland and, and, and all of that that complicates things. But you also have this process that complicates right. things. So, you know, it'll take some time to, to fully realize Brexit. But I, I fundamentally believe it was the right thing to do. And I think it, it, it's already bearing fruit. But I think there's more fruit to be born in the long term on this. Right now, there's a situation brewing in the men's basic department. Men are being held hostage by overpriced brands that simply aren't mission-tested. That's why we're excited to tell you about Undertack, the only brand that's literally been battle-tested by special forces. These have to be the greatest boxers ever made because they cover all the bases. High-quality material that's antibacterial, anti-pilling, and moisture-wicking so you stay fresh and dry all day. Uh, I recently did a 30-mile run in preparation for an ultramarathon in a couple weeks wearing the Recon boxers, and they were absolutely incredible. I loved them. They have a quick-release fly and a secret pocket in the extra-wide waistband for cash or tactical necessities. Undertack is durable, ultralight, fade-resistant, and shrink-resistant. And here's the best part. They're almost 30% less than the competition. Go to getundertack.com. That's getundertack.com right now. Save 20% off your order with the offer code SITREP20. All one word, SITREP20. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. That is a great American company that's unapologetically pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, and pro-military. That's getundertack.com. 
getundertack.com, offer code SITREP20. It's really fascinating, or it has been over the last couple of years, to even watch how the member states of the European Union have related to each other or or not over this this pandemic period. Um, I was in uh, in Germany in 2019, and we took a trip into Austria. And you pass into Austria, you know it because there's a little roadside sign. There's no one there. You you know you do whatever you want. You drive back and forth, and it's fine. Um, and then as the pandemic developed, countries in the European Union started to care about their borders and, and isolate and close things off. And it really has been such an interesting picture of um, how untenable that system is if you care about the sovereignty of your own nation. And uh, it's been fascinating to watch um, and, and yeah. to see you know, Great Britain figure that out much sooner than the other countries have. And uh, that's so important to see. It's so important to understand. And I believe it's having an impact even on politics in the United States right now. When we talk about the populist movement in the United States, you know, Donald Trump has been kind of on the leading edge of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a connection between the two. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? I think a lot of people miss that. There's a very strong connection there. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at him. <laughs> I was right. the guy who first went to uh, Nigel Farage and told him yeah. this was back when they were all like in favor of Ted Cruz. And I remember Bannon was a Cruz guy as well. And I had seen Trump give a speech in, at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas in 2015. And I called Nigel immediately. And, and he, in fact, I spoke to him about a week ago on the phone. And he said, Raheem, I still remember that phone call. I remember where I was. I remember where you were. I remember you telling me Trump's going to be the guy. And I laughed. Yeah. You know, he, he laughed. <laughs> a lot of people would have laughed, by the way. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, you know, I could, I could tell. Sometimes you could just tell. Right? I mean, he went into a room of uh, 100% libertarians uh, who most of them didn't want him there, let alone want to listen to him giving a speech. But he walked into that room and I think he converted about 60% of that room over the course of 35, 40 mm. minutes. And if you could do that with a bunch of ideological libertarians who are more right. interested in hitting the blackjack table downstairs than <laughs> listening to a speech right. in the Planet Hollywood um, by, this, by this celebrity guy, I looked at that and I was like, it's, it's, it's a lock. It's a total lock. And, um, wow. you know, the, the, the two philosophies are not different at all. Uh, Brexit. Brexit is about returning the power as much as possible, devolving power back to the individual as much as possible, putting the ordinary uh, people and their concerns at the top of the political agenda. I'm not saying lose, you know, I'm not saying lose totally the idea that, you know, a nation must have a foreign policy. But let's be clear about this. The nation is run for the safety and the benefit, the security and the freedom of its people. Uh, Ukrainian borders rank somewhere around the thousand and tenth priority mm, uh, sure. that I would be thinking about in the morning when waking up as president of the United States. And so many decades had passed where Americans, just like Brits, had started to realize, you know, these guys they don't care about us. We are not loud enough. We are not making ourselves heard. We are not honking our horns. Um, and, you know, Brexit was really the first horn honking protest of our yeah. of our times. Mm. Um, everything else off the back of that, even the Trump phenomenon, I believe 
is is I believe if there had been no Brexit, then there would have been no Trump. I think Brexit gave the Trump team. Well, I know for a fact that it gave the Trump team uh, uh, the impetus, the confidence, the uh, looking at us and talking to us about the experiences we had and the grind we faced and where the left and the globalists were soft in their arguments. We had many conversations about this before the 2016 election in the United States. And then obviously, um, you know, you had Nigel Farage coming over here. That was a very big moment standing next to Trump in Jacksonville. Um, yep. I gave him this line about Hillary Clinton that he used on stage and it was so wonderful. <laughs> it went down a treat. Um, you know, now it just seems like a movie thinking back back to it in my head. But, you know, those were those were times where we started to realize that actually this this you know special Anglo-American relationship that was um, foisted upon us by Tony Blair and George Bush hmm. that there actually was a relationship, but it wasn't it wasn't globalism and it wasn't internationalism and it wasn't war in Iraq that should be forging that relationship. It should be the idea that Western nations look after their own first, and every time we all get a, got in a room, whether it was Bannon, Miller, Farage, Trump, me. All the rest of those, we had a we had a cadre of people that understood those things and and governed everything in our lives by those philosophies. The problem you have now is that there are so many hangers on, both on this side in the MAGA world uh, and in the Brexit world, so many hangers on who are desperate to impose their uh, non-nationalist. Um, values onto those causes that you're starting to see them flake apart a little bit. And if I can, mm -hmm. if I want people to leave <clears throat> listening to this with one thing, it is my warning that I, I can see into the future. And um, mm. the neoconservative establishment, the warmongering establishment, I'm not even talking about Ukraine right now. That establishment is organizing in such a massive way. They have far more money um, than national conservatives currently do. And you are going to see over the next five to 10 years, a massive, massive resurgence of that kind of Bush era conservatism. Mark my words. Can you differentiate for me and for those listening between what you have described as populism or kind of the tenets of the Brexit movement, what you just described, and libertarianism. You made a distinction, but can you can you draw that out? I, I in my mind, I think of them almost as the same thing. Oh, I I think of myself as I, that I couldn't be more different from most libertarians. I really do. Um, I I don't believe that the individual comes above the nation necessarily, right? I I don't believe that the phrase individual liberty necessarily means anything without the the undergirding of of you know freedom, genuine societal freedom as it is centralized in your very own constitution. Mm. And I think a lot of libertarians, you know, play around the peripheries of kind of anarcho-capitalism and, 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 and Randian uh, schools of thought that I, I don't think necessarily mesh with um, national conservatism, because national conservatism is, is not a, a live and let live philosophy. It is a, right. we understand what is good for a society and we understand what is bad for a society. You know, I saw Jordan Peterson speak a couple of weeks ago and he was saying, you know, we shouldn't be banning CRT. The left bans things. We don't ban things. We beat them in ideas. And I thought to myself, that is, man, that is so wrong. Like that is how we allow them to creep their ideas in all the time is we do right. not go after them right. with the full force and apparatus of the state as they come mm, after us with the apparatus yep. of the state. And I think libertarians necessarily shy away from wielding the apparatus of the state as means by which to vanquish evil. And national conservatives look at these problems as a fight versus, of good versus evil mm. and, um, and are willing to, 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 to wield the, the, those powers in order to confront that. So 
the other thing about it is social conservatism. You know, national conservatives tend to be more socially conservative. We don't abide, you know, the LGBT plus uh, political agenda. We don't want um, uh, um, women uh, uh, who are biological men racing against daughters <laughs> in schools, in track right, meets and right. things like that. And li- right. the libertarians would typically side a little bit more with the, you know, well, just let them do what they want to do as long as they're sure. not hurting anybody, you know, the no harm principle, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, no, there is actual harm going on with that. And, and right. you know, you might, just because you don't see it as an, a, a, on an individualistic level, that doesn't mean there isn't societal harm, uh, you know, at that level. And that, you know, that goes back to Thatcher. There is no such thing as society, right? Um, and, and I guess... That's probably the difference. She was more. She was a little bit more of a libertarian um, in that regard, in you know the economic and the uh, uh, cultural regard. In that, she did change her mind, by the way, later on in life. I have a friend who knew her later on in life, and she said one of the things that I regret most is that I didn't have a cultural conservative Thatcherism. There was only kind of the economic Thatcherism. Yep. Yeah, it is really interesting. Where so in this this war of good versus evil, and mm. and I agree with you in principle. Where do normal people who want to be left alone by their government, <laughs> where do they learn about the distinctions? How, how does you know, a person like me, I've got four kids, I've got a job, I live my life, I do my thing, um, I served in the military, I'm very patriotic, um, I'm very socially conservative, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm kind of the MAGA crowd, I guess. Um, but I want yeah. to be left alone. Mostly, I just want to be left alone. I just want people yeah. to leave me alone. Uh, and, and obviously, I want more than that, or I wouldn't be doing this, right? But, but where do normal people go who are going about their lives learn the difference between right and wrong? Understand what is evil and what is not and how to fight. Where, where is this education happening or where should it happen? Yeah, well, you want to be left alone by, by bad actors, is what you're saying. I mean, we all want sure. to be left alone by bad actors. Everybody wants to be left alone by what they perceive to be bad actors. So the question isn't, you know, what, what, you know, what do I do to get people to leave me alone? It's what do I do to curate as many good actors around me as possible that's in good. community yeah, that's and good. society that's out good. of that. And, and that, is, that is Bible, church, neighbors, uh, local community. Um, the, you know, those are the institutions that build the backbone of, of Western civilization you know, most successfully, that is, those are the things we can point to in tradition and history that have typically yep. provided us with the best undergirding of civil society. Uh, and, and those are the things that I think we, we need to actually be a little bit more cool about, quite frankly. Mm. Um, I don't have a f- sense of shame that a lot of people do. And I don't mutter it when I tell people, hey, I'm going to church or I'm watching church or I'm reading my Bible or, you know, and I think we, we, we kind of close off about those things. Yeah, because, yeah I understand they can be private and you can seem like a little bit, you know, pushy with people as a result of that. But you know what? The best the best thing you can do uh, to further your ideas is not tweet or blog or podcast or, or, or whatever, but it's to live well and show your neighbors how you live a moral and just mm-hmm. and good life and how God rewards you for that. And they will want to follow in your footsteps, right? If you have a clean car in the driveway and kids who know how to, you know, say their pleases and their thank yous and all of that, then your neighbors will necessarily gravitate towards that too. And you will find yourselves effortlessly building a community around you on those bases. So it doesn't have to be the biggest things in the world. You can make massive change. Um, honestly, it, com- it would come naturally to so many people. I'm sure they're listening to this and going, I do that every day anyway. Um, but yep. for a lot of people, it needs to be an active thought process. You need to set a d- reminder in your phone to, to read your Bible today. And you need to make sure that you don't feel too lazy to go to church. And, you, you know, all of these things. 
um, that I think we need to get more muscular about, honestly. Like, That's good. We don't need to be more muscular abroad right now. We need to be more muscular within. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. Uh, man, that's great. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I do talk about it. I want to be left alone. I think a lot of people take that though, and they say, "I just want to be left alone." And what that means is, I want to self-indulge. I want to do what I want to do all of the time without building um, the life, the family, the community that you just described. And uh, mm. that's fantastic. Um, are you hopeful overall for liberty in the world? And <laughs> um, to say the end of tyranny would be, you know, very Pollyannish, but. Are you hopeful for liberty in the in the world, not just in the United States, but around the world? It's <laughs> a massive question. Um, I, <laughs> I like to am, ask the big questions. I am certain that we will find liberty, you know, as 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 individuals, or probably after we die. I don't necessarily think humanity on Earth is bound to, you know, create a a, a utopia. Of, 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 you know, sure. extreme freedom for everybody sure. on planet Earth. There, there are too many, there, there's too much evil, there are too many malign actors for that to be the case. I mean, I don't know much about, I mean, I know a little bit about, but I don't necessarily need to go into the, the um, you know, the kind of end times ideas sure. about where, where humanity ends up and sure, how, sure. But, but, I think, but I think we always have to have an eye on that, right? Like, as a species, where are we going and why? Um, but at the same time, you look at the you look at the ballsiness uh, and the and the sheer um, audacity of of you know even we, weedy little weasels like Justin Trudeau yeah. find it easy <laughs> to oppress their his own right. people right, right now. And I think right. this is not Genghis Khan we're talking about. It's not Adolf Hitler we're talking about. Right. This is a a you know weasley little blackface wearing boy from yeah. from canada who has a very curious likeness to fidel castro sure. um who is who is uh bossing almost his citizenry around and the head of state of canada her majesty the queen is not saying anything about this right. so sure. so i actually do not have very good a very good feeling about where humanity is going over the next hundred years i think with the advent of uh, the metaverse um all of this stuff we are in for some very precarious times uh tyrannically speaking yeah what do you see sorry. happening <laughs> you no, know, that's sorry to be a... no i think it's good and i think you know again if we take a uh, uh an unnecessarily hopeful look at the world then we don't stand up we don't do the right things we don't invest where we need to invest so that's a very helpful outlook and i don't think it's without hope the hope is found again as you mentioned before in my family in my community in the areas that i can control and uh, i need to continue to build there what do you see happening in the next couple of years um we have the midterm elections then we have you know a, a presidential election again here in the united states what do you see happening and what will be kind of the net impact uh, maybe more globally on uh, on the next couple of years in our country Rage. I see a lot of rage. I see a lot of rage from both sides. Um, we, we're just starting to see what that looks like in, in practice. I mean, uh, you know, we can talk about January the 6th and everything that went on there and all sure. the nonsense around it. And you can talk about the BLM riots and all the nonsense around that, too. Um, you can compare, contrast, make all these, you know, phony things, talking about the FBI and, 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 and how very real, actually, their involvement 
um, has been in so many of these things uh, for yeah. years and years now. But I think what you're really going to see um, is a is a societal, cultural uh, rage. It's going to rage inside of people. It's going to rage outside of them. It's going to rage on an international level. Um, it's it, what it really is, is is comes back to our very first point, right? It, it, it's it's they're going to notice the increase of the speed of decline. Uh, which is the dying of the light, and they are going to rage against that, you know, to get a bit poetic about it. And sure. so you're you're going to see you're going to see that for for certain. I, I believe. I don't think at the, you know the the entropic nature of what, what you know what the pharmaceutical companies have done and and all of that is is such that I don't think you can now put that toothpaste back in the tube. Um, I, I I I have fears about it. Obviously, I think there there is definitely economic economic you know recession on the on the near horizon as well. Um, I'm not like one of the former British cabinet members, Vince Cable, who you know correctly predicted eleven out of the last four recessions. Mm. I'm not somebody who goes around doomsaying right. about about the economy. I actually believe in in human action and human endeavor and, and all of those things. But I just think now the weight of of centralization and the weight of control that is bearing down on the system is necessarily going to force that system into a grinding halt. Uh, there's too many there's too many vectors moving around at this point in time for it to be for the market to be a reliable um, uh, you know something you can rely on to look at fundamentals and go yeah no I get it at the moment I actually right. think very few people if anyone really gets it yeah. in that regard and that yeah. is going to lead to a lot of bad decisions bad decisions will lead to recession um, so yeah I mean that, that those are the things I think about a lot, um, and I also, you know, think about, you know, the, the prospect of humanity moving into into cyberspace full time, and, and what a what a, what an awful thing that that would herald. Mm. Um, the control mechanisms that you would give up overnight, the banking restrictions, all of that. I mean, you're seeing it in the real world right now. Think how right. easy it's going to right. be. To sure. impose those things on on people who are living in an entirely digital life, and look, there will be people who will live an entirely digital life. They they will make that choice, and they will stick. They will jack in, and they will never come out of that that metaverse. Yeah. You know, and 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 it's unfortunate. My message to people is just to say, you know, I am one of. Those, I will be a total total. Um, um, you know, uh, luddite about this. I will I will grasp onto as much things as many things as I can <laughs> right. prove, or at least. Right my brain can interpret as real as possible. Yes. And I encourage everybody to do that. That's good. Yeah, very good. Um, man, there's a lot more here, but we'll, uh, we'll stop right there. Raheem, um, where can people follow you, learn more about you, um, follow your work, very, very important work. Yeah, you stop at just the right point because you can tell I'm going off into this. <laughs> you know, I gotta go. I gotta go do some thinking right now. Well, you're so dragging me right it. there with you. You're talking, and I'm thinking I need to go outside and look around a little bit and uh, yeah. breathe the air. And, uh, man, I feel exactly the same way. So the website is thenationalpulse.com for the news-related work that we do. I actually have a Substack. You can just search Raheem Kassam Substack. I do a little bit more cultural commentary there, some music stuff, some satirical writing, and things like that. And honestly, um, we are 100% user funded we don't take corporate money we don't take pack money mm. we don't take you know uh, big donations from from big single donors and things like that and if people want to chip in the url is fundrealnews.com because that's what awesome. we endeavor to do every day is real news great raheem thank you so much really really appreciate your time thank you thank you
So grateful for Rahim's time and uh, his involvement with these issues that we just discussed is incredible. Speaking from a position, a place of personal lived experience and uh, thankful he would share that with us and give his perspectives moving forward. So grateful for that. Please follow him and uh, you'll be thankful that you did so much to learn. Thank you for watching this show. Really appreciate it. If you have not yet subscribed, please do that. Whatever podcast platform it is you are listening from, make sure you're subscribed. You can also find the video of this and all of our episodes uh, at Salem Media. Go to Salem Podcast Network and you will find all of these episodes there as well as other uh, wonderful podcasts for you to listen to and or watch. Thank you for your support. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.